Tell me how to say ladies and gentlemen in gender neutral terms. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey yo. Why a hello and a howdy. We're so very glad to see you. Cause we're getting kind of rowdy and we got a lot to say. And we're gonna try and do our very best to entertain you. And we hope you'll be delighted by the time you go away. That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. HIAC talk radio is always exciting. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Thank you, broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. We are thankful for MJF as the AWA, AWA, AEW, we went back to the 80s, AEW World Heavyweight Champion. We are thankful that Billy Corgan has proven he is a bad broker and bad promoter, Uh, besides the fact that he can actually still write music, contrary to popular belief, I think he's still pretty good. And we are thankful for the fact that Derek will be joining us to talk about the latest in professional wrestling, um, on TV and otherwise. I am welcome to HIC Talk Radio. I am welcome to HIC. No, um, I'm the Bob Average comedian Dan Conchico. With me as always, Craig McDonald. Derek McDonald will be here in a few minutes. Uh, before we forget, uh, we wanted to add on to the chat that we had last week about judging wrestling by their looks. Which I don't think is okay, men or fe- male or female. I don't care what you look like, as long as you look the part. Which is a different discussion altogether, in my view. But uh, Craig finally remembered he had a point to make last night, so let's get this out of the way before so we can get shot and then move on. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Dana. And uh, that's what the point I. Uh, didn't make last week and on last week's episode when last, on week last week's on HIC Talk, Talk Radio, Radio, Dan made a very uh, salient point about Jim Cornette's um, critique of of Liv uh, of Liv Morgan and uh, her, I guess, being too good looking uh, to be a professional wrestler. And you and I talked about um, how she's being used. The point I wanted to make was, uh, with what you just said at the top of this very program, looking the part. The way the problem I have with Liv is not with her looks. Obviously, she's a beautiful woman, and she's being sure. she was being pushed to the gills um, because partly because of how good she looks and sure. how the fans got behind her. The problem I had with her being booked was she's being booked like a bruiser. She's putting women through tables. She's getting submission holes put on her and she's smiling. And if that's the way they're booking Liv Morgan, and here's the point I forgot to make, then she's not right for the part. Put it like this. Bruiser Brody. If Bruiser Brody come into the ring, you see the wild hair, the beard, the furry boots. He's swinging the chain around his head Fans are running for their life in fear. Get the hell out of here. And he gets in the ring and starts wrestling like Ricky Steamboat. Breaks when the referee tells him to break. Arm drags. Clothesline. You know, wants to shake hands before the match starts. It doesn't look the part. Sure. Because he's Bruiser Brody. 
if they're trying to make Liv out to be a female Cactus Jack or a female Sabu who likes putting people through table and, and smiles when they're being a mate like a maniac, then she she does not look the part. Wrestle like one. Wrestle, yes. Then you can't have one or the other. If you're going, the way that Liv was pushed down our throats, uh, and she was a fan favorite to be the world to be the the women's champion. Um, fine, but keep it like that. And if she wasn't, if the the storyline would with Ronda Rousey, who was who looks like she can kick some of that because she legitimately can, or someone like Shayna Baszler. Um, that's not who Liv Morgan is, and to make her like that, she's way too good looking to be a bruiser. If that's what Jim Cornette was trying to say, then he didn't articulate that well. Well, that's enough. not what he said, though. That's not what he said. He is. He has made comments about. And mind you, I know deep down I'm like, well, he's just playing his character he played for the last fifty fifty yeah. years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, you know that comment, you know the uh, glass houses don't throw stone, blah blah blah, blah. Yeah, come on, Jim. He's made comments about how, and and he seems to focus. Now he's made comments about men as. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not that not, not, not naive and stupid. Mm. But uh he he's he the bit the bit old fashioned white guy sexist. It, it happens. Just stop doing that. <laughs> don't do that, Jim. It's, <clears throat> it's twenty twenty two. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of people, Dana. And I I, I just wanted to make um I didn't get to make that point. Uh, last week, through no fault of anyone's own, I just it, I'm it hit my head, uh, in my head last week Ouch. while we were talking, and then we got on something else, and then it just dawned on me. Um, oh yes, I needed to, to bring this, and that's why. So that's the last point I wanted to make on sure, live and I agree. Um, her not looking the part. But, if she's going to be booked that way, she does not look the part. But you've made that point, Jim. Jimmy has not. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Speaking of, miss, speaking of missing the point, uh, we have a new NWA champion. No, no, no. I know you just segue that into that gloriously. Yes. Um, but I want to wait for those subjects from when Mr. McDonald gets on. Okay. Uh, well, it's your so, show. What do you want to talk about next? That's it's our show. But no, I was going to say if you could, if you could do like an early version of uh, wrestling historian, so we give Mr. McDonald a little more time. Um. Would you do that now? And then go into your beautiful segue again once you see he's back. I can do that now. Hey, I, I know you could. You're a professional. I knew that you could. At what we don't know, but. <laughs> I still don't know what I'm a pro at. I still don't know. Uh, when I grow up, I want to be just like you, Craig. And you're not growing up yet either. So I don't know. We're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Mom, Dad, I think I found my special purpose. Um, <laughs> Being on Dan's show. <laughs> Gentlemen and ladies, uh, we are back on HIAC Talk Radio and uh, back to talk about uh, what wrestling used to be like. Um, we'll do we a newer version of uh, Wrestling Historian, meaning that it's earlier in the show. Uh, and earlier in my life, um, wrestling was uh, more of a sport and uh, not an athletic contest. Uh, it was done in all 50 states. And it was selling out in arenas, coliseums, 
stadiums, high school gymnasiums across the country. Fans were up in arms when their favorites got beat, would actually threaten the heels with bodily injury because of how real it was to them. Heat was something that you got, and a wrestler coming through the crowd would be taking their life in their own hands. And back when there were three world championships in professional wrestling, the only three that mattered, the big three, and it was a glorious time in our glorious past. This, gentlemen and ladies, is a wrestling historian. Uh, I want to start out November 20th. 2002, uh, because this will come into play of what we're talking about later when we go back into the present. Right now, we're in the past. But 20 years ago, Dan, you know, November 20th, 2002, Ron The Truth Killings lost the NWA Heavyweight Championship to Jeff Jarrett. Exactly 20 years to the day later, Jeff Jarrett would be wrestling. That son of a bitch. Yes, but 20 years ago, uh, this week, November 20, 2002, at a TNA pay-per-view, Jeff Jarrett became the NWA heavyweight champion, putting his name alongside such legends as Harley Race, Terry Funk, Jack Briscoe, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, um, some of the greatest of all, Luthez, some of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Luthez. <laughs> and, Good reference. Yes, the first six-time NWA champion in wrestling history. But Jeff Jarrett put his name right alongside those with his win 20 years ago this week. Jeff Jarrett won his first NWA heavyweight championship. And uh, we haven't gotten rid of him since. <laughs> and 20 years later, Jeff Jarrett is still in the news. He just won't go away. Uh, the very next day, uh, November 21st, um, November 21st, 2005, is a date that doesn't get a lot of uh, talk about. And it's certainly not something to be celebrated. Uh, actually, it is something to be celebrated, but... um. It goes by every year, but I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, November 21st, 2005, eight days after the tragic loss of Eddie Guerrero, uh, the WWE instituted its wellness policy. November 21st, 2005, uh, uh, a stringent uh, drug and alcohol uh, test on all their wrestlers. Um, that has caused the um, suspension, if not firing, of many wrestlers who failed the policy who, or, or people that wouldn't comply with the uh, the Wellness Act. Uh, they've been offered rehab. They've been offered counseling. Um, and drug testing is, a, is still a thing now, um, 17 years later. And the wellness policy... And the WWE is still a thing. And um, has it saved more lives um, or prolonged more lives? Um, time will tell. But uh, if not for the death of Eddie Guerrero, some fear that the wellness policy um, would not have taken effect. 
Well, it's quickly. Man, I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like that trade off. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, but it, uh, whether it was, whether this was something that was in place or thought about beforehand and uh, Eddie's death maybe kind of, you know, shoved it to the top of the pile. Uh, we'll we'll never know, but um, November twenty first, two thousand five, eight days after the death of Eddie Guerrero, the WWE's Wellness Institute uh, policy institutes the wellness policy. Uh, it was put into effect, and it's been there ever since. Um, what else? Oh yeah, uh, November twenty second. 1990 in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, there was the good old Hartford, good old Hartford, good old Hartford. the third annual Survivor Series took place, and it was the debut of WCW's own Mean Mark Callis. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he all thought, and he thought he was afraid he was going to come out of an egg because there was a an egg that had been showcased for weeks on end of the debut of someone new. And he said many times, he used, I'm going to be the egg man. Um, the John Lennon tribute wrestler. But no, he was not the egg man. He was introduced by Ted DiBiase and he was managed by Brother Love. But walking to the ring and the uh, commentating uh, Roddy Piper, take a look at the size of this ham hock. Yeah, that's exactly what I hear. <laughs> uh, Gorilla Monsoon, that's in his height, 6'9, 6'10, walking with purpose. And you can see now, uh, hard to believe, 32 years ago, how quickly. Mark Callis uh, walked to the ring. Uh, his debut with The Undertaker, it's gotten progressively slowly over the years uh, due to age and due to being his character. But his debut as The Undertaker took place November 22nd, 1990, 32 years later. The Undertaker, uh, still the greatest creation, the greatest uh, character that the WWE has ever created. Your favorite wrestler? Not by a long shot. He's <laughs> not even in my... If we're even talking about greatest superstars, if we're going to use a WWE vernacular, he's not even in my top 10 WWE superstars of all time. But I cannot... You cannot um, deny his place in history, uh, his impact. Again, the greatest creation the WWE ever did. Uh, get, got a ton of heat. Um, and drew a... a Big crowds drew a ton of money back when it meant something to draw money in wrestling. And he did it. Um, I was a bigger fan of Mark Callis, of me and Mark Callis than I ever was The Undertaker. But And that's not saying a lot. No. But I, I, I think they could have done something with him had to had there been someone else in charge of WCW and we've had that this that discussion on many a podcast. Um, of the talent that they did have there and did absolutely nothing with. Um, I thought, especially when they put him with Paul Heyman, that uh, he he could have done something. But 
we'll never know. Um, but the 32 the years ago, may never know. The world may never know. Uh, <laughs> the Undertaker uh, made his debut uh, November 23rd, 2014. Speaking of debuts, more of the recent past Survivor Series in St. Louis. You'll notice a theme here. And um, this week's wrestling story in the Survivor Series edition, uh, November 23rd, today, eight years ago today, Dan, you remember where you were? How many years ago again? Eight, 2014, Do today. I remember where I was. Eight years I ago mean, I, today. I was at home. Oh, yes, I do remember where I was. Why do I remember where I was? I was watching Survivor Series and my sorry that triggered as soon as the way you said it triggered it. I'll take over for here for a second. And then you can go right back into it. Uh uh eight years ago today, I was at my dad's basement watching Survivor Series and not thinking anything of the rumors that I heard about one uh face painted wrestler making his debut in the WWE because they would there's no way this would ever happen. No way. He, he didn't sign after he left WCW, went to TNA. There's no way. That my favorite wrestler in the world, Sting, would ever be in the WWE. But lo and behold, uh, Dolph Ziggler with an incredible performance all night, um, getting ready to get put over by the ever-cheating Triple H uh, by taking out the referee, putting on the pedigree, excuse me, calling out Scott Armstrong, and right as he counts one, two, shit goes dark, like it would, it goes dark. And the lights come back on. Well, the music starts playing. Yeah, you're, the you're, a, you're the crow. And right, and you get subliminal flashes of Sting's face paint on his face. And wouldn't you know it, Sting, my favorite wrestler ever, made his WWE. Oops, I can't say Sting and WWE in the same sentence. Still no, it doesn't, doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Uh, made his a- debut in WWE. Uh, coming face to face. Coming in the face, no, coming face to face. <laughs> coming in the face. Coming in the face of Triple H. Uh, coming face to face with Triple H. <laughs> uh, Triple H, not believing his eyes, literally. Like, oh, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. Saying some other crap. And then getting kicked in the gut by staying and doing a reverse DDT. It was uh, the Scorpion Death, death Trap, as it were. Now, I remember, and then I will let you take back over as the reporter, sir. <laughs> you did this on purpose, so I know you expected this. Um. I don't remember it even, even happening the first time because when that music started, well, I mean, even, even the, the crow, I was like, <laughs> and then you see the flash and you're like, of the scorpion. And then you see his face. You're like, Oh, the room telescoped. Yeah. This is the last time I was actually excited. Like a kid watching wrestling. And, and most people go, of course you're 39 now. Of course it would be. But I'm like, I don't know. I, I was still, you know, mm-hmm. but the room telescoped. And I watched it, but I don't remember it happening the first time. Because it was literally, I, this, I believe this happening. This, is, this can't be happening. So I had to rewind it after the match was over and go back and watch it. And I, I watched it, you know, how you, the old pay-per-view format, you used to be able to watch it. And it was recorded. So you'd be able to rewind the live show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I did. So I had to go back. I had to go back and rewind it because, like I said, it, I was just, it was not registering. I was seeing it, but I couldn't believe it. And here we are, uh, eight years later, and he's 
I know how you feel about the older guys taking up roster spots, but and I hate Darby Allen, and it has nothing to do with his style and his character. I know you don't like it for that reason. There's, uh, I'm not going to get into it because you know everybody's like you're just a curmudgeon, and I'm sorry. There's, there's a valid proof out there that he's a goddamn sex pest, and nobody bats an eye, and um, blah blah blah. HNP to paraphrase Craig. Um, but it is good to see to, to, selfishly as a sting mark to still see him out there uh, taking a little bit of risk, considering the end of his WWE run was a stinger, no pun intended, and surgery um, on an otherwise pretty goddamn entertaining match with Seth Rollins. Uh, all I remember is, is a, a, thinking this that was it. Like, uh, after this, he's getting in the Hall of Fame, and it's done. It's over. Uh, he looked like he was having fun when he made his re-debut re when they pulled the cover off of the Seth Rollins yeah, statue, and it was just things sitting there, looking, standing there looking like a badass, and the guy selling how, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no, it's Sting. We're going to die. <laughs> All of that. And the dumping the statue into the dumpster, it looked like the man was having fun for the first time in years because he wasn't for a long time in WCW, and he wasn't for a little bit in TNA, and he was Impact or whatever you call it now, and he's bumblefuck wrestling. Um, <laughs> it was fun as a sting mark. It was fun, and again, it's a, it's fun as a sting mark to see him coming on TV and helping out the little guy, literally, and. Um, Still throwing the sting punches. They still look like they have a little bit of power behind those punches. Mm -hmm. You know, he's never cut. Even when him and Jim, uh, Mr. Warrior started, they were bodybuilders. He was still a little, he was, he's just, he's a thick as a brick, man. Yeah. If I do uh, oogle a little, uh, ogle, oogle. I'll never forget my mom watching that. Was it the Great American Bash 96 commercial? I think it was 96. And it's him, the Steiners, everybody at poolside and, no, it was Sebastian Beach, 96. This ain't no picnic. It cuts the sting and just sunglasses. I remember my mom walking through the room going, oh, now I know why he wears face paint. He's too good looking. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Him and Nash. And once once, once Kevin Nash came back on WCW, yeah, uh, nobody else mattered. Uh, she would have given up uh, uh, anybody <laughs> for Kevin. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Sting's debut. We nobody thought it would happen, and you heard the rumor. I remember talking about it with everybody. You know, the rumors were flying that he was going to make his debut, and it was me just being the. I'm never getting this. No way. I'm not going to get that. I'm. I'm not going to get what I want. It's just there's the. Oh, I got what I wanted. Holy crap! Then we won't talk about the WrestleMania match. <laughs> I was the only one that picked him to lose. I knew what he was going to do. God damn it. Anyway. But um, happy anniversary, Dan. Eight years Thank ago. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. You're very yeah. well. Um, uh, yeah, that's such a great moment. Uh, you like how you were like? Do you remember where you were? No. Oh yeah, yes I do. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on a darn, darn tootin' minute, son of a bitch, pile of monkey nuts. I know exactly where I was. I do remember where I was. <laughs> uh, and usually I, I end on uh, wrestling that happened today in uh, in wrestling history. Um, but uh, something that happened the, the following day, um, November 24th, uh, 1983. Uh, hard to believe it'll be 40 years next year, but November 24th, 1983, 
was the result of Dusty Rhodes's brainchild, uh, his invention, his vision come to life, November 24th, 1983, the very first Starcade. The very first Starcade, and it is as old as me. Me and Starcade are the same age, uh, and I will die well after Starcade is probably <laughs> still being used. Uh, and I know it was not WCW NWA, but I had the pleasure of going to a Starcade within the last because I never got to Starcade. It was never close enough, except for <laughs> the DC ones. And uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, I went to Starcade in Greensboro, and it, see that was all about just going to a Starcade in Greensboro. It didn't matter that it wasn't televised, and it didn't matter to me that it was WWE produced. I don't care. It was Starcade at Greensboro. Uh, and then go in there and like that arena is massive because where else are you going to put that plate thing? Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, my favorite part of that is, is if you like a tour of Greensboro, you're out <laughs> that big. I remember posting a video in the parking lot going, Hey everybody. I just wanted to show you, I got the uh, Greensboro and here's my, uh, here's my tour of Greensboro. Good night. <laughs> just, just turn to the arena and move. Um, but the amount of renovations and add-ons to that building they've had around and because of wrestling crowds they used to draw there, uh, specifically because Dust, Dustin was there mm-hmm. at the time. And we got to see live in ring Dolph Ziggler take a classic Arn Anderson spine buster, which still looked like an Arn Anderson start, uh, spine buster. And he's uh, like, uh, he's got a half arm working at this point. Yeah. It was fun. I was glad. I was glad I was able to go to a Starcade, and and um, I was always disappointed that WCW, for obvious reasons, closed. At, at, but when it did, but the one reason I always bring up as a as a PS or a joke is uh, the best of tapes, which you see behind me right here. Yeah, uh, they came out with best of Starcade Part One, mm-hmm. and it ended on fucking Black Scorpion. Yeah, <laughs> that made the best of. So did Garvin and Flair, which that's a whole other. Um, and we never got part two because the company shut down. I'm like, come on. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> what well, part two? Uh, and they made up to that when they had the Starcade DVD. So, you know. I bring it up because Starcade um, was the uh, precursor to uh, the WrestleMania and yeah, all the absolutely. other big events that happened because. Greensboro had traditionally, going back decades, had Thanksgiving matches in the Coliseum that would sell out routinely. Uh, specifically that year um, in Greensboro with the Ricky Steamboat, Jay Youngblood feud with the Briscoes that turned away 16,000 fans uh, in uh, August of that year. And Dusty, who was wrestling in Florida, said, well, wait a minute. If they're coming out in the summertime, we're turning away 16,000 fans. Let's do this again. Okay. Um, All right. Give, hey. All right. No, that's a dog. <laughs> There's the our Starcade interruption. That's wonderful. The other baby. <laughs> How How Good to see How you, you Mac. Good to be seen. Thank you. I was uh, talking, I was waxing nostalgic about the uh, first Starcade and how it uh, created um, the uh, spectacle that WrestleMania would be two years later, uh, Dusty, the brainchild of Dusty Rhodes, and had so many great matches, um, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood, 
beating the Briscoes. Uh, obviously, the Roddy Piper Greg Valentine dog collar match, which was not the first dog collar match ever. Um, yes, it is. God damn it. <laughs> uh, and Ric Flair regaining the uh, NWA Heavyweight Championship. There's the NWA title again uh, from Harley Race. Uh, this uh, Starcade even came live from the Greensboro North uh, Coliseum. It was on closed circuit TV in major NWA strongholds like Atlanta in Puerto Rico and in Texas uh, in the, the three big strongholds in, uh, in the NWA. And that set the stage for would later be WrestleMania and uh, the Starcades and the NWA that would follow that. That would be the NWA's WrestleMania would be Starcade because of the great crowd they would draw every Thanksgiving down south. That was a way of life. One of the things I say about wrestling historian uh, that people don't realize is kids um, tomorrow Thanksgiving here in the United States um, and in the United States back in the day, uh, you would have your dinner early and then you'd go to see a wrestling bout and you would go with your family and you watch some of the greatest wrestling matches in the world and the greatest wrestlers in the world that the NWA had to offer. And not just in Greensboro, but in uh, Atlanta, in New Orleans, in Texas, in Memphis. Holidays, Thanksgiving traditionally, were big, big, big money draws, and which is almost absurd now uh, to think of a Thanksgiving Day show. But Thanksgiving, for a lot of the territories, was the bread and butter show. And oh, yeah. The- Biggest bread and the biggest butter was Starcade 83, uh, November 24th, 1983, coming up on the 40th anniversary of Dan Calachico. <laughs> thank you. you know, wow, I remember, since you're talking about Starcade, I remember being jealous because, you know, my family's from the South. <clears throat> so they would all tell these stories about how my grandpa would come in and he'd be like, hurry up and finish eating. We got to go down and see Dusty Roads tonight, you know, to get ready for the Starcade show. Starcade show, and then my brother, he was part of that because he's older than me. So he always teases me because my memory of Starcade, because of my age, is like the Butcher versus Hulk Hogan, you know, in the uh, those terrible uh, mid '90s yeah. Starcades, or yeah. when they botched Sting in '97. So he always uh, makes fun of me for my Starcade sucking when I got old enough to to understand what was happening. Derek, I always bring up. Uh, you know, I get Hulk Hogan was a get for W. It's it's a historical get for WCW when they did because as far as anyone concerned, he was out of wrestling. He was an actor now, like it was never going to happen again. And they got him, and it changed the course for a little while till they had to redirect that course again two years later mm-hmm. because everybody was so sick and tired of Hulkamania. Um, mm-hmm. Who you know, go figure. Um, I always love bringing that one up. That the year before Hulk Hogan came up, uh, it's it's documented on this show. I always and I will ram this down people's throats. Um, and here comes a joke from Bad Ash. I can feel it. Um, <laughs> speaking speaking of down your throat, uh, thank you. I did it before you. Um, that the year before Hulk Hogan came in, the main event was Ric Flair and Vader. Yes, at Star-K. And the year after that was Hogan and, and Bruce. Butcher. And Bruce. or whatever Bruce. the fuck he was called, Brother, Brother Bruda. Bruda. E. Harrison Leslie, his name sucked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, no, yes, no. Yes, no, yes, no. Did I ever (laughs) tell you? Did I ever tell you? 
this is gonna make Craig either laugh his ass off or be seething mad at me. If you're doing a Stu Hart impression, I will laugh my ass off. If you're not, I will be seething mad. Man, I do it in Stu Hart. <laughs> I do it in Stu Hart. You see, it's not the same unless you're standing up because you gotta. Yeah, you gotta hunch over. I know. Yeah, you gotta lean over. <laughs> the preparation is the best part. <laughs> that wasn't preparation. My back was hurt yesterday, so I was pretty much three steps from Stu. Um, that I was 33 years old when I realized Zodiac was uh, the same guy, the broody. Oh, I oh just remember, dude, dude, I know Derek, I know Craig. I was watching all this shit. I don't remember that part because I don't give a fuck about Brutus Beefcake, Broody, Booty Man, Brother Brutai, Fuckface McGee, whatever they called him. The Disciple. The Disciple. I don't give two fucks about that man. I'm sorry. I don't hate hate him. I've got nothing against Mr. Leslie. I just don't give a fuck. Never did as a wrestling fan care about Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Whatever his gimmick was, I don't give a shit. I didn't need to see his ass. Whatever. I didn't care. So I always forgot. And then the last run through when the Peacock Network, no, not even when the when the WWE Network was brand new and rewatching all the stuff, not even the Nitro stuff, everything that I hadn't seen in years. And there's that one shot of him coming out. I'm like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's fucking that- Brutus. That makes sense. And then of course it is because it, then he leaves and the whole thing. I'm like, yeah. Now, but yeah. in the back of my brain, it got unlocked when I saw it the second time. Going, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, whatever. Nobody's perfect. You, you thought Scott Hall was uh, Hispanic, so you, yes. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But yeah, so I was 33. So uh, that's the one thing I love admitting that one because it is. Again, I didn't care so much, so I just locked that one away in my memory box and chucked the key. And then when it well, happens again, you're like, oh, yeah. Don't, don't feel bad because, like, it's understandable that younger Derek thought Mark Merrill was a black man. But adult, <laughs> Derek, <laughs> but adult Derek thought that Darren Young was a white guy with a very, 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 very <laughs> dark tan. When Nexus came along, I was like, man, his tan is, like, offensive. <laughs> and then I Googled him. No, he's a brother. That's why. Okay. So, no fool, All right. See, yeah, now I feel better. I feel a little better. Yeah. 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 But I just remember watching that in HD and getting upscaled through the signal and just doing the. I'm like, oh, you fucking moron. And even Kelly, I just remember Kelly going, you're my perspective, you're my POV. Where have you been? Because <laughs> well, I'm the guy that remembers shit from 30 years ago verbatim, word for word. And she's like, how the fuck did you not know? Yeah. I hate this show when I knew. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. um, Sorry, Craig, your wrap-up signal. And that's for asking a story. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. Anyway. <laughs> And that, my friends, is the wrestling historian. Uh, Gentlemen, now that I have you all here, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk, in my opinion, unless you two have a... uh, (laughs) I'm dumbfounded to even say what I'm going to say, so we're going to get to that. 
two extremes a great champion and a what the fuck champion we're going to discuss tonight i don't think i have to elaborate any further we're going to get to that let's go to our high first so we can just end the show up there so we can end the show with our low and scream and yell about how fucking stupid he is sorry (laughs) um finally something craig and i have been talking about long before you were a regular uh uh uh, returning uh, guest star i'm gonna say uh mjf is the aew champion i'm gonna get this out of the way and just let you two discuss and and just we'll just have a conversation not only is he the champion thank god thank god but he cut a seething seething worksheet i'm calling it a worksheet promo uh during the press conference after which was glorious and not only did he reference jim cornett uh oh god who else did he uh reference craig cm punk cm punk he he, yes he he referenced the cm punk thing timely uh and my and i will just say this a little ps uh my opinion of cm punk has gone from about there to there in about three four weeks uh and his little comment he made on commentary didn't help not that Mm. i matter i know i don't matter but i'm just saying i'm like oh that's disappointing um but yes mjf is the AEW champion, and I swear to God, Tony, there's no end game to this. I have no threat. I have no promise. Other than I will delete, I will block your show with a code off watching it on my TV if you don't keep him the fucking champion for as long as you can. There is no reason to. There's no flaw in his work. There's no flaw in his promos. There's no flaw in his character. You can do anything you want with it. The fact that he went straight up, baby, uh, straight up heel again is the only way it should be. The guy can go and what he can't do in the ring, he covers up for. There's no zero zilch, not a reason to not keep the championship on this man as long as you can. This is your guy. This was the guy from the beginning when you formed, even with the young fucks <laughs> and I can't help it. I, I don't agree with Jim a lot, but fuck those two guys. Um, and I know we, I know how you, Craig, this is not the same as you just don't like Kenny Omega at, in his position or as a wrestler. I don't add that to the Young Bucks and fuck those guys. Like, it, it just don't like them. There's no reason. Don't touch it. MJF was the guy from the beginning. We're here now. That's it. Sail that into the sunset as far as you can. Gentlemen. Somebody start talking um, first and then just take over. Hi, <laughs> Derek. Um, first off, I want to say uh, Mazel Tov to my fellow Long Island brethren who <laughs> grew up maybe 10 minutes from where I'm at now. Um, I, if it was me and he's serious about leaving in 2024, I would keep the belt on him till his very last night in the company. And whoever you want your top baby face to be, whether it's Jungle Boy, uh, my pick would be Ricky Starks, but they don't ever use Ricky Starks, or Hobbs, but they don't ever use Hobbs. But whoever I wanted my next big baby face to be, I would have that person beat him in his last night on the company, if he wants to leave, if, if he's, it's all a big thing and he's going to stay. But I would keep him champion all through next year. And he's, he, he's going he's gonna to be in the Von Eric movie, so he's going to, you know, we're going to bring in a, hopefully a, a wider audience from that. He's completely different than anything 
on your television. He doesn't wrestle like anybody else on that roster. He stands apart for himself. And I want to believe you can't mess him up. But this is the company that messed up Danielson when he walked in. <laughs> and you could have made money with Danielson. Um, this is the company that messed up the aforementioned Ricky Starks and Hobbs. Messed up um, Joe, messed up Claudio. Joe, messed Claudio. Up yes, I mean, I, I watched the first couple minutes of the show today and, you know, Regal okay. comes out and instead of John Moxley being pissed off that the guy cost him the title, Daniel Bryan goes, spare him, we've all done something wrong in the past. And it's like, oh, this is not getting off to a good start at all. But I would keep the belt on, on him for as long as possible. And if he's going to leave, the night he leaves is the night I beat him. I agree with everything you said, uh, Derek, even the, uh, the, the baby faces. And it's got to be a baby face to, uh, to take the belt off him. Ricky Starks would be my guy. And, and it's ironic you said that because on tonight's episode of AEW, Ricky Starks wins the tournament to be the number one contender. And he's oh, going to face MJF Good. December 14th. But... If you really want to have the uh, a major baby face take the belt off him or just have someone that, because that's who it's got to be, because you not only is MJF the best heel in your company, he's the best heel in professional wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. With uh, what he can do in the ring, what how he can talk, the amount of heat that he gets, mm-hmm. and that type of star <laughs> quality that you could see from day one. Um, it's for even just seeing his old MLW tapes, that yeah, which is yeah. how I was introduced to him. This Me guy, too, this yeah. is I said it on this very podcast. I've said it. Yeah, this is as close to Roddy Piper as you're ever going to get uh, for anyone in the last forty years. It's the closest you're going to get from a Roddy Piper, a Tully Blanchard, an Arn Anderson, yeah. any of those guys. Yeah, rolled into one. I think he's a better promo guy than any of those guys, in my in, opinion. In my in mine too. You keep the belt on him. My pick would be Wardlow. Oh yeah, yeah, because of their because of their past, because of their history. My that's my pick would be, but because you we mentioned a whole lot of people that the AEW has dropped the ball on. After you turn Wardlow face, and he's your he's your Goldberg. Yeah, he, he now he then next thing you know he vanishes off of yeah. TV after he beats MJF finally, he then he's off TV for weeks and then you have him fighting security guards and then he's off TV. And then he comes back for a squash and then he's off TV for another two weeks. And then you team him with Joe for what? For what reason? And then you have a and if you would and you put Hobbs in there again for what reason? Why are these three guys in the ring together <laughs> when you can get three separate programs with those three guys against anybody else? You got 125 wrestlers on the roster. You got people wrestling on their YouTube show that no one watches to mm-hmm. pad their stats. So why can't Hobbs or or be one of the, be one of those guys? And these guys should be having win after win after win against anybody else except each other to get them over. So um, any of those three guys can be your major baby face. I think Hobbs has heel written all over him. Stark, you can make a face because he's good enough and the fans have already taken to him enough. Hobbs is your monster heel. Should be going forward. Wardlow's your Goldberg. Treat him like that. 
and you can have a major run with him and keeping uh, every time he gets a chance to beat MJF, like Flair, like Piper, he'll find, he'll find a way to win or not lose the belt and still be champion. And how many, how many times did Roddy Piper get pinned in WWE the whole time he was there, especially during the Hogan years? Never. Never yeah. want to get their hands on that stinking Piper. He walk away yeah. without a scratch. Yeah, he didn't lose. Say he was a face, right? Wasn't Brett the first guy to pin him at, yeah. at that mania? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I, I forgot about Warlow because, like you said, he he was their gold man, and they just ruined him. And you know what? When MJF won, I started fantasy booking in my head, and I go, "Oh, you know what? It's great. He's the he's the number one guy champion." I was like, "Then you can put him with FTR, and they can be this great group." And then it dawned on me. He was with FTR, and they ruined it about two years ago. So there that go. You can't even do that. I just, I don't get it. And it was, I I was revisiting our conversation, editing a, uh, by the way, I have videos into the middle of January in the can for YouTube. And one of them is an HIC highlight. And I was re-watching the clip of us talking about this before. A booking in general and Derek it was something you brought up uh, I forgot how we posed the question but you were like if I was running the company I'd get any of the any of the retired guys as the bookers themselves mm-hmm. or at least as a consultant not just an idea for their own stuff but for other people's matches the fact and, 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 and ever since then and I edited it like a week and a half ago two weeks ago that's replaying in my head. How do you have all these guys sting even to a point? I know he's not really into the booking backstage thing. And I know people kind of don't put him in a list. There, there's this weird thing where he's considered a legend, but a lot of people also don't put him in top 20, 30 champion. It's this weird thing to me. I don't understand. But, you know, part of it is, is he had no real gimmick. What's a sting? What does he do? And I'm like, you didn't have a point there. I don't even he does this and he does that. Do you not listen he, to the he's, song he's visible yeah. and he's quick he's as a cat. Come on. Yeah. It's in the lyric. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's sting. Shut the fuck up. He's sting. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> uh, but the even sting, Arn, any Tully, Jake, yeah. any of these guys. I just want to double down on what Derek said. And they're listening to Frick Frack and Kenny. <laughs> Okay, there's this. There's no way you drop the ball on MJF. Now they've picked that ball back up. Thank Christ. Uh, there's no way you drop the ball on that. There's no way you could possibly drop the ball on Claudio. Yeah, they did. What no we did. did. Yeah. Yeah. No way you can drop the ball on Jay Lethal. They did. No way you can. And drop they did the ball on Samoa Joe coming in. Ryan Danielson. Ryan Danielson. Even even William Regal in his limited capacity because of his neck. Look at what they did to, even though he's a former WWE champion, he didn't even not be rank up there with the best, but he held the world championship in the biggest company on earth. But look what they done with Jake Hager. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, God, I even tonight. forgot he was there. He just he lost forgot. tonight to Orange Cassidy. That's how far he's fallen. You're losing the, the, the pockets. 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 It's like a I dog. It, it's like oh. a cat. Cat or dog? Eh, it's my dog, cat. Yeah, the the, the 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 fact that a a, a man of a, a fan 
who has more money than God, who wants to play Booker, who has never done it before in his life, and he relies on the people, you know, Frick Frack and Joe to do all the, the booking. Can where we you have requisite to call them only Frick Frack from now on? Frick for Frick Frack. But you have the most experienced people on your roster doing nothing. And you the, even just the, the names you mentioned, the names you didn't mention. Big Show, Mark Henry, oh. Taz. Didn't, do, don't you have on your roster right now the guy who is the talent relations, who was the head of talent relations for 22 years in the biggest wrestling company on earth, and you have him doing commentary for the second half of your show? And the might biggest- I add... And might I add, Craig, the most disinterested and boring I've oh. ever heard him. Oh, and it is yeah. not, by the way, all due respect to JR. That is not a commentary on him. He does not give a fuck. No, he doesn't yes. care. He, it's just a check. It's oh my check. God. And I don't blame this is one of those things. Well, don't blame the guy that don't blame the guy that signed the money. If you were given that contract, you'd sign it too. Yep. Put that at management's feet for putting him at the table and not back there. Managing guys, managing guys in the backstage, or or booking, or producing, or something. Why is he? Well, well you know, here we are. I don't know where the f- we are. Where are we? You've literally taken, arguably, arguably half of. There's there's uh, uh, monsoon and brain. There's Jr. and King. Mm-hmm. Arguably, yeah. neck and neck as best commentators for their eras. It was perfect. It was just lightning in a bottle. And you've made him sound like he doesn't even care about his own product. I'm sorry. Again, with all respect to JR, how do you leave that Tony on TV every week and expect people to get ex- other people to get excited or expand your excitement? Sorry, Craig. Can, it just no, but, it was a pop-up thought. I'm sorry. No, well, the, the, the announcing is a whole other thing. And, and obviously, yeah. Tony was announced, pulled out of obscurity because he was done uh but again mm-hmm. um because he, he was a fan of tony because yeah. tony was a fan of his growing up just like he was a fan of sting so he'll throw a bunch of money to bring him back and of course if you're tony giovanni why wouldn't you come back why wouldn't anyone take the job but if you're one up to run a wrestling company successfully you're surrounded by some of the greatest minds who've, who've been there and done that and can at least tell you how to market a good product or how you got guys that are in AEW that got themselves over mm-hmm. like the acclaimed, like FTR, uh, like Wardlow, um, Hobbs, uh, Starks, the fans of the, wow, this guy's really good. Um, and because they're, they're outshine the EVPs, they get left off TV or they get job to shit. And, they do it backwards. They come in, they they bring in somebody big, they have them lose mm-hmm. a couple of matches, and then a year later, they start pushing them, start giving them easy wins on. There's ways to get guys over. Stephen Re- William Regal, who's who was uh, Triple H's right-hand man for the longest time. And don't think when Triple H was bringing everyone back after Vince oh, left, yeah. you, you oh, really yeah. think he didn't yeah. call Regal or yeah. didn't find out yeah. how long Regal's contract was? Mm-hmm. Um, because he knows that guy knows if not just how to book, how to train 
wrestlers. So they look and do things the right way. So guys aren't breaking their necks every other week on mm-hmm. AEW pay-per-view. So there wouldn't be, if Steven Regal was your trainer, there wouldn't be so much a, a, a website called AEW Botches. There yeah. wouldn't be so many people getting dropped in their heads and the injuries that can be avoided. Okay, Ruby Soho will be able to breathe through her nose right now if Steven mm-hmm. Regal was your was your trainer. I mean, booking is a whole other thing. That that train has sailed. But if you can get that guy that's in your company right now to be your head trainer to teach these idiots that don't know what the hell they're doing, that got trained in a on a trampoline class how to work, then at least you can cut down on your injuries. Use these guys that are right there and you're not doing anything with them. It's like I that line from Veep, one of my favorite shows, said, you got Michael Jordan and you're sticking him on the bench? <laughs> I mean, I understand if you want to if you want to put Michael Jordan on the bench when, you know, you have Sean Bradley out there, but man, I'm not Sean Bradley. Yeah. And I understand that comparison because Sean Bradley rules. You have to see Veep, but, but it's <laughs> it's that it's that type of mentality. It's like, Oh, I got it. I got it. Yeah, but it's that, like, that's a, uh, the three of us under I know Derek got it too. <laughs> no, no, no. We're on the same page on that one. Yeah, but yeah, no. It's just frustrating, Derek and Craig, to see just the talent pool of greatness, even as as soon as ten years ago. Just be like, eh, you're on TV. It's fine. The one good no, thing we- I will say uh, about them putting MJF, making him the guy, and putting the belt on him. If you heard his 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 post-match media scrum um he's not gonna take it he's you see how he's distanced himself from the evps um then wants nothing to do with them and hasn't even mentioned their their names have been come out of his mouth he's going to be champion for as long as he wants to and if he sees himself being booked like because you know it was jericho's idea hey man we should turn you face because jericho wants to be the number one heel in the company. Yep. No one can be a bigger heel than him. Yep. Well, you, that shit, that's not going to work on, on MJF. You I'm definitely so, know that. I'm so over Chris for a number of reasons. Me too. <laughs> and, Me too. And two, two of them I won't bring up to right now, but go ahead, Derek. I, I was going to say with, with Chris, um, how can I say You can bring them up. I won't. <laughs> His he, wife is a racist! There! I said it! it. I was gonna say nobody has been hurt more by social media other than Hulk Hogan than probably Jericho. <laughs> Jesus Christ, she was there that day. The insurrection. Okay, she's MAGA. Okay, that's why I can't stand him. I don't get political. Here's a couple thousand dollars, Donald. Go fuck yeah. yourself. Sorry, you know, it was it was funny because I remember during all the <laughs> during all the uh, you know. Take take a knee thing. Chris was like, uh, "All lives oh. matter. All lives matter." And I remember every MVP just retweeted retweeted him and goes, "Delete this," and that was the end of it. <laughs> just, delete you know, this, this. Just delete this. Yeah, MVP. But, there's another guy. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. They got I love. Like I think something. it. What's so hateful? Yeah. Uh, what's so hurtful about it, Derek? It's the mm-hmm. I we 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 put over Chris again. I know we don't matter in that way. Boy, he's mm-hmm. one of the. He was a highlight in the shit days of wcw yeah. uh, like like even in the glory days of wcw the motherfucker was a highlight yeah and we've put him over so many times and to find out separate the art from the artist 
to a certain point, I don't chuckle as much as I used to when he mm. comes out to the ring and and his music is kind of, oh boy, oh boy, you know it sucks. That's it's the same thing as uh, RK Fire. There was uh, four women that came forward. Shut up, Derek. There's four women that came. Sure. Another white guy. I know. No, I'm kidding. Laugh. It's funny as hell. Uh, there's another. And you find out that all these here for years uh, in the area where they're living, that he's kind of a sex pest and kind of a master manipulator. And then the story comes out that four girls have been like, yeah, no, he did these things. He's kind of shitty. I'm sorry. We're on tour. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. it goes quiet for a little bit. And then the fifth one. And I'm like, yeah. I wasn't listening anymore, but the, you've put me, that was it. I, I can't. The day before, I'm not lying, I'm not exaggerating. The day before that last story, and I know you guys saw it because you guys are on my Facebook and Twitter. The day before that fifth story came out, I asked Kelly, Is it okay? Are we comfortable listening to Arcade Fire again? And she was like, mm-hmm. And she, the way she put it was death of the artist. Yeah, once yeah. the artist puts it out there, it's no longer theirs. Yeah, and then the next day, the story came out. I'm like, No, he's still alive to me. <laughs> it's the same thing with Chris. I I could do it. I get it's easier to go back in the past when you're a kid and watch that old stuff and go, eh, Chris Jericho's easy and and that artist is dead because it's it was broadcasted. It's over. We've moved on. And I try to apply the same when I'm watching my AEW. I'm like, oh, you stupid son of a bitch! <laughs> God yeah, damn I mean, it! Yeah, I see it. And and not to mention, and you know, we bring up Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette, go, who, you know, had the Smoky Mountain relationship with Jericho and praised Jericho in the beginning of AEW when he was the, the Hill champion. But he goes, it's like he wants to, him and Matt Hardy want to fit in with the Bucks and Omega, and they've forgotten everything they learned about wrestling, and they're starting to think like the Bucks and Omega. And when you look at Jericho, it's like, oh, like, if you could if you could see 20 years into the future, you'd look at yourself and be like, oh, man, what am I, what am I doing on television? Like, it's like anybody who, who gets hot or gets any type of heat to him, he has to feud with them, or he has to, you know, stand next to him in any type of way. It's always, it's always like that with him. Derek Jericho has become the exact type of wrestler that he complained about in WCW. Mm-hmm. He was, he, when he was, his star was on the rise, but guys like Hogan, Nash, Hall wouldn't have nothing to do with him. And when he got hot, they, they wanted to squash that. Jericho is exactly who he made fun of in WCW in his book. And anyone that gets hot, he does a program with, and then what do you know? They disappear. He yeah. did it with MJF was getting it, and then they did the the musical. Um, Brian Danielson, he goes away. Eddie Kingston was getting way too popular, and what do you know? He does a feud with. With Jericho, and then Eddie Kingston goes away. Nobody feuds with Jericho gets anything out of it. MJF is so good that he was he managed to get past a musical episode where they were singing and dancing. That's only because MJF is so good. But to everyone else that had anything to do with Jericho, they get instantly nothing good. You you don't. Jericho always wins. He always comes out on top, just like now. Mm-hmm. You know, guys are he's in the ring with Sammy, Claudio, and Brian Danielson, at least two of the three best in ring workers in 
the all of AEW and Jericho still comes out on top because he needs his ego. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I, he, he, I, I think they go, oh well, we put the belt on him so it can help us get an ROH deal. I, I think they only put the belt on him so he could sell the Ocho T-shirt. That's the only reason. That's the only reason he wanted it. Yeah, because he never even wrestled in the Ring of Honor. So what the hell yeah, did he have to do with? It's all ego, man. Yeah. Every time I I'm ready to get behind something, and I'm like, this this is the moment we've learned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of uh, we you mentioned uh Jericho and Jericho's wife and yes, but trying to get oh, political, not political. No, no, I I, I do I do want to say, but but the underlying story was here we are in the present. MJF is champion. Um, I don't think he made an appearance tonight, which is glorious. Um, that's top heel shit right there. Uh. Ride, ride the ride the horses until it can't drink anymore. Give it then and then give it a bunch of water and keep going. That's it. That's it. Do it. Do it. There's no reason. I I know not a single solitary reason. There's not anybody on that roster, even the guys that we all agree that we love, or not so much, that we would replace right now. With that it's not. No. MJF no. is the star and it's time to treat him like the star that is my final that that's my closing thoughts on this discussion everybody talks about AEW being competitive with the wwe and being big time well here's your here's what you do treat him like he's the big time lie about it there's an old story that kevin smith used to tell um that when he was starting to film and get together stuff for clerks that his sister said to him, you're a director. He goes, yeah, that's what I want to be. No, no, you're a director. That's it. Say what you are, say what you want to be, and say that you are. MJF is the champion. MJF is a superstar. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's like, uh, to make a football analogy, here in New York, people love Phil Sims. And if you talk to anybody who knows football, they'll tell you Phil Sims was an above average quarterback at best. But the way we talk about him out here, you would think he was Joe Montana. So if you talk up somebody big enough, you know, eventually that perception will the legend grows. The world will see. Yeah. So yeah, that's like it. That. That's it. You, it's perfect it. down. In Philadelphia, Buddy Ryan is a legend here. <laughs> Damn you. He's Damn you, Craig. Beard. Buddy Ryan never won a single playoff game in Philly. Didn't do shit. Really? Really? Didn't do shit, but the The reason why we love him, Derek, because he always beat the Cowboys in the regular season. That'll do it. But but not one playoff win. Yeah, but Jalen Hurts is is the fucking shit right now. Yeah, but he is the fucking shit. You hear me, me, Twitter motherfuckers? Yes. None of this overrated shit. No. They lost that game last week, and what happened? Jalen Hurts happened. Yeah. And that one loss we had was not Jalen was not on Jalen Hurts. Oh, no. The only guy that was playing that night? Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Thank you. Uh now to the other extreme, not to get political, but we're gonna. Uh if you don't like it, turn it off. Um on the other extreme we have MJF over here, high above everyone else. Even as far as I Roman Reigns is just a smidge. Uh, well, I love Roman Reigns and I love that he's holding it this long. And I love the stuff of the bloodline. Uh, that's great. That's great. We could nick pit 
nitpick the shit out of the rest of Raw and SmackDown. I don't have a single solitary fuck complaint about Roman Reigns. Uh, and I'm glad that he uh, destroyed uh, uh, that blonde guy's. I don't really remember his name. But Logan Paul is Logan Paul. Which one? Which one of the crackers was it? Jake or Logan? Logan. They look the same. The master race in Saudi Arabia tore his leg apart wrestling Roman Reigns. Thank you. I'll say it. I can say it because I'm white. <laughs> I'll say it. Whenever I hear that word, I think of Teddy Long randomly saying it in WCW, like the later <laughs> of the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> because you know there's a bunch of Southern guys watching going, oh. N-word. <laughs> you know, you know that's true. Yeah, what yeah. that son of a bitch say? Oh, hell no. Yeah. I, know, I know it. I see him around here in the county I work in all the time, trust me. Oh, black guy coming in here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um. Uh. Yes. Yeah, so on the other extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I I I like Billy Corgan a lot. I am a spashing pumpkins mark. To this day, even the low, uh, even the most recent stuff, he's still a hell of a writer of rock music. Still a hell of a producer, underrated guitarist. Not one of the greatest, but he's underrated. Uh, JB Chamberlain is one of my favorite drummers in the Smash Pumpkins. is James Eha's James Eha. He's just there to hang out and co-write. Uh, Billy Corgan couldn't book his way out of a fucking bag. Okay. With that being said, not even in getting into the political stuff, which we already just jumped at first into earlier. We weren't going to, but Dan's like, fuck it. Um, not even based on that stuff. We get to that after the fact. But who in their fucking right mind, with all the other talents you have, even in the NWA, would you ever make a guy named Funkasaurus the world fucking heavyweight champion? The NWA's world's heavyweight, plural, because there's more than one <laughs> heavyweight champion. I. I'm dumbfounded. I'm dumbfounded. As a wrestler, I don't have a problem, but Trevor Murdoch to Nick from Nick Aldis. From Nick Aldis! From Tim Storm! Nick Aldis, Aldis, who after Tyrus won the belt, I think he just tweeted out, see? (laughs) Like, see what I mean? Yeah. But see, the thing is, Derek, I never did see what he mean. I never I never got a clear cut story why Nick Aldis left or why he was was he fired, did he quit, that he didn't want anything more to a do with A little bit of column A and B. But I never knew what the final what the real reason was. Was it because they were going to put the belt on Brodus Clay or was it because yeah. because he because but I mean he had already Nick wasn't even champion anymore. He already dropped it to Trevor Murdoch. Um, so did he leave because they were going to transition from Murdoch to, to Brodus Clay, or did he make his decision way before that? Because I thought if you had any problem dropping it to Trevor Murdoch, why would you care if they dropped it, if it goes to Brodus Clay? I don't know why. I still don't know why Billy Corrigan left the NWA. I still, I never got him saying, and for him to say, see, I say, okay, okay. Did that mean that? You they wanted to make Brodus Clay champion when you were champion? Yeah, you fought it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, so I don't I don't know what the C is. Obviously, he left for a reason. I just don't know what the reason is. Yeah, he he um, and I like Nick Aldis. He 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 reminds me of like a throwback. You know, he'd have the belt folded up real nicely, and he always had a suit on. And, yes, you know, and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves because what was the the first pay per view that led to AEW? Was it All In? Yeah, that show is built off the back of him and Cody for the NWA title. Like he, Most definitely. he and I, I feel like he, I guess he had, I think I heard an interview, he goes, you know, I had to get some of that TNA stink off of me. He goes, <laughs> you know, and, and I rebuilt myself in NWA and I feel like he might have to get some of this NWA smell off of him now, wherever he goes. Um, I, I don't see a place for him in AEW. Oh no, that ship, that ship has unfortunately sailed. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and that is because of the, as much as I put it over, and we all did, hey, the NWA mm-hmm. title's back in the and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But but Nick Aldis is as close to a traditional NWA champion that they've ever had. I mean, he Very is, much. like you said, a throwback since to the the Ric Flair, even the, the Buddy Rogers era of a guy that uh claimed to be the best acted like the best, dressed like the best, carried himself like a superstar, like he was the best wrestler on, like he was the best athlete in the company, and he held, he upheld the tradition of what an NWA champion would look like, or should should act like. Um, not just Flair, but uh, Dory Funk Jr. did, or the way that um, uh, Pat O'Connor did, even the way the Harley Race did. Harley Race didn't always come out in a suit, but when he appeared in a territory with the NWA championship belt, even if he was just in a short sleeve collared shirt, you knew he was the man. You know, even he just on a grainy film footage and like the NWA champions coming to Georgia Championship Wrestling next month. And here are some words from Harley Race. And here's this grainy footage of Harley in a in jeans and a button-down short sleeve shirt. When he held that belt though, and when he looked in the eyes and said, I don't care who it is I wrestle, whoever the Georgia heavyweight champion is. I'm going to come there, I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to leave with this because I'm the best wrestler on God's green earth. And you believed it. And I didn't see Harley Race wrestle uh, until I was way into my 20s, but I read about the guy for 10 years, and when cable TV came out, I finally got to see him. I knew he was the man because of the way he carried himself. That's the way Nick Aldis does, carried himself. I can count how many times I've seen him wrestle on one hand, but when I know he's on the, when he's, I've seen more of his interviews because the way he carries himself. Now, what Nick Aldis will do next is anyone's guess. Um, you said, Dan, that the, the, he's not coming. AEW would not fit in there. Um, I think with a, with the right booker, he would. Um, mm-hmm. I think if, if Regal was in sure. charge, you would. Um, I, that's why I think if there's a, if there's an outside shot of him wrestling anywhere and, not that 38 is old, but you have you have less years ahead of you than you know than you do you know behind you. Um, but the WWE could be uh, a possible destination if he wants to keep uh, wrestling because he is a Triple H type of wrestler. He's a guy that that uh, could that Triple H could work with or can he could find a spot with. If Cody can get a spot. In WWE, yeah. I think that Nick Aldis could too. 
Did you have your hand up, Dan? Did you want to say something? No, I was stretching because my nerves are shot right shot. now. Yeah, no, Scott. No, it's how I'd rather. No, I'm just. I, I'm shot. I'm leaning. I'm, I'm leaning. I'm. I'm leaning against my uh, symbol. But you can tell I'd rather talk about Nick Aldis than talk about the current NWA champion. Yeah, because yeah. who gives a fuck? Yeah, it's it's. And to break off of Aldis, like you said, he looks like a Triple H guy. And I heard an interview with him. He goes, "No, I came up with." Barrett and Famous and McIntyre, he goes, if I go there, he goes, it writes itself. You have Famous and McIntyre who are like the big, you know, brooding, beer-drinking European, and here I come in my two-piece suit, and I'm the clean-cut guy who's not afraid to get dirty, but I'm a completely different, you know, I'm a contrast to those guys. And like you said, if, if Cody can find a place, and every time you see Cody, he has a suit on now, <laughs> then there's, there's definitely somewhere to make all this. But getting back to Tyrus, I... When when they put it on him, and I and I heard I heard the reason. I thought you're not getting anybody, and I'm just gonna say from that channel, they're not gonna tune into your show because he shows up to his show with your belt. They're just gonna be like, oh, okay, he's a wrestler guy, <laughs> and that's gonna be the end of it. So I I, I didn't understand the, the the he the guy can't walk, like he, he he comes to the ring and he looks like he has two artificial knees, and he's a top guy now. Well, well, you saw that bump he took off the top rope, right? When he landed so nimbly on his feet and did the forward roll. I mean, that didn't look at all like a baby giraffe trying to trying to get up and walk. We all know why Billy made him his champion. It's a political. It's a strictly political. That's it. Um, there's no, there's nothing about him. I can't tell you how many times I tried to get behind. Fuck is on a roll. I tried. I, I I really wanted to like him, and I was more interested in who became Naomi. Yeah, for obvious reasons. Um, it, you know, he so was this supposed is... to be the the Hall of Pain. That was his gimmick. Oh, that yeah. would have been great for him. Sweet, great. Woo! <laughs> Well, I, I told you a story how he came, how we he got that, and I actually I'm the Hall of Pain. Who the fuck is this guy? But it because it, it was a funny story about how he was, and I told it on this podcast about how Vince wanted him to to dance, and he didn't want to do it, and he thought it was stupid, and um, yeah, well, that's one thing we agree on. Yeah, and he, he did you hear that story, Derek? No. But how he became the the Funkasaurus. He he was originally going to be the in the, the Hall of Pain. That was going to be his gimmick. He was going to be a killer, and then we went to Mark Henry. But Vince got the idea of making you a you're going to be a Funkasaurus. We're going to get you Funkadactyls, and you're going to come out dancing and stuff. And he was like, uh, no, he didn't want to do it. And the end of the story that he Dusty Rhodes talked him into it because Dusty Rhodes can talk anybody into doing anything, and because of his love for Dusty, he went with it. But he went to the Undertaker first, and he told him, and he said, "Man, um, Vince wants me to dance. I don't dance. I don't know how to dance. I think the whole thing is stupid. And um, what do I what do I do?" And Undertaker goes, "Fall down." And Brodus goes, "What?" <laughs> You come out to the ring, right? The camera's on you. Fall down. Vince will fall down in front of the boys. Fall down on camera. Vince will never ask you to do it again. You'll be off the hook. And Brodus goes, oh, okay. Is that what you would do? And Undertaker goes, no, I do what I was told. 
And that's why he's been there for so long. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, speaking of not agreeing with someone, I don't always agree with the Undertaker, but that is a valid point. Yeah. yeah. Not me. I do what I was told. <laughs> nope. I can totally Shout hear him to saying it. it too. No, and on top of the fact that it's just it's it's the smaller version of the AWA uh, the second time I called it AEW thing. No pun intended, but kinda. Um, with all those other talented people there. Uh, I just don't see the brakes truck rolling up. Billy wants to make it a viable thing, but you're putting it on him as the last thing you want to do to make it viable. Keeping mm-hmm. on Nick Aldis was your your best bet. Yep. He, I, like you I, said, I, it, he's not going to give you a bigger audience. And if you get a Fox audience, why would you want that audience? I saw Nick Aldis, and this is no slight at all how I'm going to phrase this, at Isaiah Frazier. Amazing wrestler. And he should be a household name. Uh, And arguably, if not on WWAW, he should be on Impact or NWA. That's how good this guy is. And I saw him and Nick Aldis come into Nova Pro with the NWA belt. And 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 burn that <laughs> sucker to the ground. Looked like an NWA match in 2019, 18, whatever year it was. It's incredible. That's why you're the NWA champion. Yes. That's why you used to be NWA champion. Rick Flair could go into any territory. Yes. And make the worst guy look like a thousand a hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars. Yes. After tax. Nick Nick Aldis took a guy who's already worth five hundred million dollars and made him look like a billion dollars in front of two hundred and thirty people. It's incredible that match. Yes. It's insane to me that Nick Aldis is only in the NWA. It's insane to me, just based off that match, that gifted Isaiah Frazier is elsewhere. He's black. I mean, that's why he's not in NWA, but because it's barely there's all white guys and Tyrus. There you go. Yeah. I you know call it like I see it, Bill. Prove me wrong. I I know I'm a nobody. Prove me wrong. I don't just it just I didn't even get to the point and we're and again we're not gonna get it's all serious, not gonna get into why Tyrus is a garbage fucking person. Um just on a, as a wrestling fan standpoint, why? Yeah. Why? This is the dumbest why? thing I've heard. Why him? <laughs> why him at all? I don't get it. And to have him as the NWA champion, and you know, I mentioned the previous NWA champions back when it was a, a, a big deal. Um, you you missed an early part of wrestling historian, uh, Derek, but November 20th, 20 years ago, on November 20th, Jeff Jarrett won the NWA championship for the first time on the TNA um, pay-per-view. And he beat Ron the Truth Killings. Ah, that's right. Yeah. So now, now, and this is one of the, I I saw one of these BuzzFeed top 10s, top 10 wrestlers that were NWA champion that you didn't know were former NWA champions. And the list is, you know, uh, you got uh, Truth. Obviously, you wouldn't think that who he is now that he's a former NWA champion. 
Uh, Rhino, also a former NWA champion. Raven, former NWA champion. AJ Styles is a former NWA champion. Ken Shamrock is former NWA champion. But I would take all those guys. (laughs) Overbroad is Clay. So bad. God, I didn't even oh, remember man. his name originally. Yes. Brodus Clay, that's it. Yeah, Brodus I didn't Clay. remember. Uh, it was an anagram because he used to be a uh, bodyguard, legitimately bodyguard for Snoop, whose yeah. real name is Calvin Broadus. So they took uh... those letters and switched them around because they're geniuses. They're mental level mm-hmm. intellect over there at WWE Creative and called him Brodus Clay. Oh. It's such a. I remember when NWA started, and I I enjoyed it. You know, Ricky, Hold on, Ricky Derek. Starks. What? This is <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is another. Um, Dan just realized that Zodiac was a Brutus Beefcake moment. Oh, no, I oh, think God. I have a hemorrhage because of that. <laughs> oh my God! It's this. Sorry, Derek. It's the stupidest. God. No, I was just gonna say it's. I remember when NWA came back, and it was just so different. And I remember they had like Ricky Starks was there, and I was like. Mm-hmm. And Jim Cornette was on commentary. I remember thinking, you know, they were <laughs> it was the a revival. fun week. Yeah, <laughs> I remember thinking they were the revival back then, but they were leaving WWE. And I thought, if you could get those two guys, mm-hmm. put them with Jim Cornette, and put them in the NWA, come on, you can't miss. And then next thing you know, Jim's gone, and these guys are losing to the Bucks on AEW television. Derek, I was <laughs> touching upon that last week. Like I, I, Jim Cornette has gone off the deep end he's playing yeah. this angry old man gimmick mm-hmm. I, I get it i get it just try to be less sexist that's all i ask what my my point being of that whole conversation was my point of view my perspective of it is jim Cornette, for better or for worse is arguably and and and, and as far as alive is the smartest guy in wrestling mm-hmm. and the fact that he's choosing to do this yeah. and be shitty about it and not you know put your money where your mouth is you, you want to make it better behave and help make it better mm-hmm. pisses me off yeah. he is that good wow. he he is that smart and instead, he sits at home. And fair enough, I, I've heard the stories. I get it. But especially at AWA, especially at NWA, to go tell Billy, no, that's stupid, <laughs> or to go tell Young Bucks, you're stupid to your face, and you're not going to do anything about it. Don't do that that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and and he chooses to be a fucking piece of shit about it. Oh, and that's what makes that. me mad about it. That's what makes me bad about it. Okay, the guy that grew up watching these guys. That's what makes me mad. Just just walk one step over the other uh, the other side of the line, Jim. There's yeah. so much you could provide that business. That's just just that's just mine. Those two him with the revival, I I I would my, that that made my cum came. Come, 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 came, come, 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 come. Sorry. What were you going to say, Derek? That was good. I was going to say, just imagine, like. I had a stroke. 
FTR and and Jim Cornette cutting promos leading up to a match against the Bucks. The Bucks are everything those guys are against. You could main event all your shows with that. Yeah, the money. Uh, and if that's just Louisville. yeah, and if you're in Louisville, Kentucky, or in the Greensboro, North Carolina, the hometown of FTR in the Greensboro Coliseum. Like, That's what know, makes me so frustrated about the whole. And thing. you know he can make it work because the guy made the gangsters versus the Rock and Roll Express in the middle <laughs> of nowhere work. Like yeah, you know true, he can yeah. make it work. Yeah, most definitely. I, I, you know, I, I was, I forget what video I was watching, but someone, oh, it was Botchamania, and they were, they were doing the, you know, Jim's a miserable prick thing at one of the endings, and they were interspersing footage of him, and I forget. I know him and New Jack had a good relationship because he got them the, the, their start in the business. But it's, you know, he's doing a shoot interview and the door, you hear the door bust open and it's New Jack singing, Why Can't We Be Friends with Jim? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, for a second, white dude scared. <laughs> it was longer than a second because he's like, Am I getting stabbed? Or like, uh, yeah. Jim, showing your colors. And then it was okay, but I was like, oh, Jim, that's all. Oh. Well, remember, New Jack had said some pretty disparaging things about Jim in a lot, in a lot of Well, gee, I wonder why. Okay, yeah. so when we, New Jack comes busting through the door, why would Jim <laughs> yeah. think that everything would be cool? I just said what he was singing. No. He was singing. I was scared for Jim, that, yeah. okay? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm a black that's guy, and I'm a black guy. I, that's one yeah. thing I would like, uh, one murder I would like to sing. Um. <laughs> Speaking of uh, other stuff in the past and, and Jim Cornette and everything, uh, Dan, I know you've been doing your homework and trying to get caught up. Derek, you have an excuse, but I'm going to ask anyway. Have you seen any episodes of Tales from the Territory? Yes, I saw the Canadian Stampede. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I saw the one based on uh, rocks, Pete Mavia's territory. Polynesian Pacific Pro. Um. I saw the one with Kim Patera telling that the, the, uh, burger, the, the McDonald's the, story, the AWA. Nobody can believe. If, like, yeah. yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I've one. heard the story a million times, and I still don't believe it. And, 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 and yet, uh, it happened. Yeah, I saw that one, and I think I saw one. What was the one? Was Kevin Sullivan Florida Championship Wrestling? Kevin Sullivan was in two. He was in the Polynesian Pro, and he was also in Florida. Yes. Yes, I saw the Florida. Yes, I saw those. Okay. And what, you, what do you think? You like him? I, anytime I can see like a bunch of old guys sitting around telling stories, like when they had the old WWE, uh, it wasn't the network. I think it was just like the channel. Uh-huh. And they had guys, I think it was called Heroes. I forget what it was called. Oh, no. WWE Legends of Wrestling. It was called, it's, I still yes. go back and watch it. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Anytime you get older guys just sitting around talking, I enjoy it. Just to hear the story. Yeah, it's it's great. I for me, it's the footage because it's stuff I either I haven't seen or I haven't seen in like forty years. Um, yeah. So that that stuff is great. Um, yeah, I've seen every uh, all of them. Uh, last night's episode was from World Class, mm. um, and they had uh, David Manning, who was a longtime referee in World Class, uh, and they had. Uh, Jimmy Garvin, who looks like you—you you see the footage. He's got the hair 
everywhere, but he here he looks like Curly from from the Three Stooges. Uh, Brian Adidas and Kevin Von Erich, mm. and apparently Brian and Kevin hadn't seen each other in thirty five years, mm. and he, yeah, they hadn't. And and you see Kevin, I mean, every and during it they would tell a story, and Kevin would just lean over and just hug Jimmy Garvin, and he had this big smile on his face. I've never seen him smile like that ever. Uh, and it was because well, like, usually people are asking about his dead sibling brother. Yeah, and, and, well, <laughs> when you see this episode, um, uh, they don't even touch on that. And the, what made this episode remarkable was that you had those four legends of, of Texas wrestling. It was moderated by Chavo Guerrero Jr. Hmm. Who never wrestled there. His dad wrestled there. I was going to say his dad wrestled there for. for yeah. Uh, and he grew up in Texas. There. Wow. Um, but and, uh, but uh, and actually, Java wrestled more for Paul Bosch than he did in, in World Class. But mm. it was the first time that it was that this an episode was moderated by someone else and was moderated by uh, by Chavo. Hey, Chavo, keep these guys on track. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, watch them. Just, just just speaking of World Class, I always had a question because I've seen like so many documentaries about her, so many different things. Um, the, the the Gino Hernandez thing, right? Yes. Oh God, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I've I've heard was yeah. like was it a hit or like because I've heard people say he just had an overdose. I heard people say he owed people money. Like always, hear different stories. And Hold on, it's wrestling, so you never know. Hold on, Derek. Bef- I mean, Craig. Before you give him the uh, historian answer, mm-hmm. uh, you could just go right after I say this. He had four times the amount of cocaine in the yes. system than a normal yeah. human being. What do you think happened? Yeah, that's what I, yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. With Derek, I will, my answer is both things were true. Uh, he had a serious drug problem. He also owed a lot of money to a lot of shady people um, and that would show up at his house even when he wasn't there looking for yes. it. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Um, hence, the, hence the gun. And the gun and calls. and yeah, and when they found him, he had been dead for a number of days, um, because no one had heard from him, and he had missed a show. So, um, people will speculate that he was murdered. So even Michael Hayes, at the time, thought so, but like Dan said, he had four times a, yeah. um, the, of cocaine in his body. You could have opened up a drugstore in his intestines, um. But either way, uh, he wasn't even 30 years old yet. Mm-hmm. And he had been wrestling, for, I mean, main eventing since he was 19. This guy was a prodigy. Whenever we talk on this very podcast about guys that are or the what-if scenarios or the ones that didn't, Gino Hernandez is always top of my list because that guy could have been, he could have been a horseman easily. He could have been the, gone to the WWF and been the million-dollar man easily. He could have been NWA champion for a brief moment of time, the way that Tommy Rich was or the way Dusty Rudd was in his first reign. He could have been a main event heel in WWF, a la Shawn Michaels. The guy had everything. Um, and But yes, his death um, was ruled a, a drug overdose, but uh, if it comes out later and, and if you ever see the tales from the dark side, uh, uh, episode with uh, that focuses mainly on him. 
his mother still believes that mm -hmm. uh, he was murdered. So if it comes out later with the investigation still open, even though his he's been dead for more than 20 years, if it comes out he was murdered, that wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, it's because of Tales from the Dark Side, I've always been intrigued by his story, um, Dino Bravo, which I think is a little bit more clear cut if, if you just listen to the information. And uh, I think it doesn't get more clear cut than that. Did in the cigarette, and then the Von Eric brother that died in Japan, and they say everybody flushed the drugs down the toilet. So it's always David. those three that, I, yeah, that I always, whenever I can read or watch something, I'll, just to hear different perspectives. But yeah, it, yeah, if you put everything together, it makes sense. Well, well, Derek, with David Von Eric's death, which um, kind of changed the course of wrestling history, uh, honestly, um, because they still stick to the kayfabe uh, version of what happened. And even Kevin still, um, of course, sticks he by does. It. Yeah, yeah, why wouldn't he? Because he's your brother. But um, yeah, the 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 line, the the story. Uh, David wrestled a match in Japan. Uh, he got kicked in the stomach, and he died of an inflamed intestine. Yeah, Truth. David just got to Japan. He died the second day he was there. He never wrestled one match in Japan. Um, okay. Then they try to say it was before he left. He got kicked in in the prior match before he went to Japan and it flared up. And uh, the more commonly told story was uh, he took some pills too many, didn't wake up. Bruiser Brody, who was on tour in Japan with David, flushed the remaining drugs down the toilet before the coroner, before the medical uh, EMTs got there. And he was found dead uh, that day. But the the truth of the matter was um, he never wrestled in Japan. He never wrestled one match in Japan. He wasn't on tour in Japan. He was, A, he was on tour in Japan, but he, he had not wrestled there. And uh, when he died in February, um, that was the, uh, the first um, major death in professional wrestling. He was only 25. I and remember... I remember watching the documentaries and everybody saying the kayfabe story and then Ric Flair, who just doesn't give a damn. Ric Flair just comes and goes, there were drugs there. Brody flushing down the toilet. Everybody knows the story. And I was just like, okay, well, Rick knows. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I've always wondered about those three deaths. I always, more, more, mostly Gino than Dino and David. But uh, but yeah, and, and um, I was listening to, I think it was Shawn Michaels who says how much Gino was like heavily influencing him. He goes, you know, yeah. You look back at all that old stuff and you go in the people where he's at, you know, who could wrestle now from back then? He goes, my two guys are always Tully Blanchard and Gino Hernandez. Yeah, he said they, they, he said they could make money no matter where you put them. Yes. And, and because, and they were mainstays in Texas and where Shawn Michaels grew up and uh, Tully and Gino were the original dynamic duo. Um, and that's why I said Gino could have been a horseman uh, with F Gino left with it, had Gino not died, he would have probably gone either to the NWA or the WWF. Uh, he could have easily followed Tully to the NWA. They could have reunited there. He would have been the perfect horseman. Um, him instead of Luger, or if they were going to replace Ole Anderson with someone, Gino Hernandez would have been perfect because he's more like a Ric Flair. He already wore suits. He would come to interviews wearing suits and bringing a bottle of champagne to celebrate his gorgeousness 
He looked <laughs> awesome. He had a great look. He dated Farrah Fawcett. There's pictures of him dating Farrah Fawcett. Really? You look wow. at there's an old YouTube clip with Gino Hernandez, Derek Gino Hernandez, and Roddy Piper, which is just classic. Two of the the greatest talkers of all time, talking about how great they are, and they were talking about how much they loved each other. And it's like Gino's like, I don't even want to do this here because we're in fucking Georgia and these people stink. <laughs> and I'm I want to talk to you because you're the only person as classy as me, but. Have you seen these people? <laughs> and, and, and Roddy looks at me and goes, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I don't even want to look. And he goes, Roddy, look at me. Don't look at them. Just look at me. Because it's it's so much better than looking at these. <laughs> it's just, Gino was was the guy that had uh, everything. And like I said, could have been the million-dollar man in WWE easily. Uh, a horseman, whatever he wanted to do. Uh, but yeah, could have wrestled in, in any era. When you see the world-class um, Tales from the Territory, they'll focus on another guy, ironically, Gino's tag team partner, Chris Adams, and his out-of-control drinking. Um, that, <laughs> that got him killed. William Regal was his... Met- Chris Adams broke in... Get this. Chris Adams not only broke in William Regal, but he broke in Steve Austin, too. Yeah. A hell of a teacher. But even Regal said, and who had his own demons with alcohol, he took under Chris Adams' wing and he never spoke to him again because of mm. how Chris Adams was when he drank. Uh, the, in you, when you see the, the Tales from the Territory, he is a he and David Manning, the world-class referee, well, were rest and they wanted to go to Tijuana, you know, after about uh, to go to a bar. And David says, yeah. And so they're going there and then Chris gets into a fight with a guy. Super kicks him legitimately. Chris Adams invented the super kick, by the way. Yeah, I remember, yeah. Uh, his boot, he's wearing a cowboy, but caught the guy in the eye, and he's bleeding. And they're, they, David Manning grabbed him, let's go. Guys are shooting at them, and they're ducking behind the car, and David Manning hears the bullets go, ting, 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 just like in the movies. And he, they drove back to go to, and he drives back to the hotel, leaves Chris there, wakes up the next morning, Chris Adams is there at the door and David sees him just punches him right in the face. And Chris goes, what? What was that? It's for last night. He goes, oh yeah. Why did we run again? Why were we running? He was a blackout drunk. He he would get into fights with folks and not remember a thing when he drank. Hell of a wrestler. Incredible talent. When he went to world class, he was one of the guys that Gary Hart brought in as his youth movement. He brought in Freebirds, Gino, Chris Adams, Jimmy Garvin, young guys, because world class before that was just a bunch of guys that Fritz wrestled with. Mark Lewins, the spoilers, Ox Baker, guys that were past their prime, and they're wrestling Fritz's kids, Kevin David and and Carrie. And Gary Hart, who was booking, said, Why don't we bring in some young guys? We got three young babyface, you know, supermodels here. Why don't we pair them with young heels? and get something out of it and you next thing you know chris adams gino hernandez jimmy garvin and the freebirds are there and world class is the hottest territory in the nwa and the rest is history um but yeah he was a uh, yeah yeah a blackout drunk and cost him uh could have cost him his and it eventually did cost him his life but when you see it they don't talk about the von eric death they talk about the the glory days of world class. They talk about the um, 
the Christmas Day um, cage match spot. And how David, had David not died, he would have won the NWA title that year at the Texas Stadium show, the year that he died in February of 84. In May of 84 is when Kerry won the uh, the NWA championship from Flair. That was David's spot. It's funny you bring up Chris Adams because, <laughs> once again, me being young, I only know him from doing in enhancement WCW. work in WCW. So right. one day he, I'm watching Saturday night and he's in there. And once again, my brother being older and spent <laughs> a lot of time in the South with my family. My brother walks in and he sees him. And I think he's like wrestling Jim Duggan. And my brother just shakes his head. And I was like, what's wrong? And he goes, that guy's a shell of himself. He said, if you could see him 10, 15 years ago, you would never believe they're the same guy. Yeah. So that's the, yeah. That's, and then I went back and I would watch all the old world-class stuff. And it's like, wow, it's like night and day. But then you hear he has a drinking problem. And he goes, okay, so that was the downfall right there. Yeah. But when he's sober, great teacher. Again, taught Steve, start William Regal, taught Steve Austin. Um, a great mind for wrestling. And uh, he won the first or only British wrestler that adapted to the um, the American style and did it really well. And again, the inventor of the super kick, the most overused move in a professional wrestling app. But when he put it on you, that was it. And he did it better than anyone. He he, he did it quicker. He didn't have to slap the, the thigh. He, he did it so quick you could just hear it and just mm-hmm. see it. And he wouldn't set it up. He just pull it out out of nowhere, and the match would be over. And it, he he never missed. It was always right under the chin, and he caught the guy right where he could. Um, and and anyone who got it sold it. But yeah, the inventor, the master of the super kick. That's where Shawn Michaels learned it from. Um, and uh, yeah, when you, when you see world class, let me know when you see. And you too, Dan. When you get caught up, when you see the rest of them next Tuesday's episode. Jim Crockett Promotions. And uh, now I have to get caught up. Yeah. Uh, And the panel includes uh, one of the panels is Baby Doll. No way. Yes. I haven't heard from her in years. Yeah. That's awesome. Her her side of. uh, Hell yeah. The stories are insane. You imagine being a woman. Of her stature in the 80s trying to get into wrestling. Oh, my God. I want to hear those. St- I, uh, where's her documentary? Shit. Uh, speaking of documentaries, you met. I mentioned the Von Erics and the reason why JB, um, JBL, MJF. How dare you? It, <laughs> at, the, uh, at the show tonight on AEW and what he said in his post-media scrum that he had to go to a movie set. Is because MGF is playing Lance Von Erich in the uh, soon-to-be major motion picture Iron Claw uh, about the Von Erich family. Uh, we know Zach Efron is playing the oldest brother, Kevin. Uh, MGF is playing the false brother, Lance. And I just heard today, um, Aaron Dean Eisenberg. Oh, yes. um, I know him from The Deuce. I know he's been on, on a couple other shows, but he has the coveted role of Ric Flair mm. in uh, Iron Claw. So uh, they're putting a lot of wrestlers in there. I mean, I'm, I don't know how far back they're going. Uh, they're obviously focusing on Fritz and him making his sons uh, the stars of his uh, territory. And uh, and it worked. And uh, we'll see the, uh, the rise and fall of uh, 
the uh, the Von Erich and the world class territory. But um, yeah, I just want to point that news out that they cast Ric Flair and uh, Holt McElhenney, who I love as one of my favorite character actors, is playing Fritz. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this. And if you saw the the still shots of Zac Efron, he looks absolutely cut yeah. as uh, Kevin Von Erich. But you know, you see, you said it before, Derek. The documentaries. There have been multiple documentaries on world class, uh, and obviously because it was a it was an amazing territory and so many uh, great wrestlers that came out of there. Um, and the stories are just amazing. Even just just the stories about the sportatorium itself are are legendary. Uh, Jim Cornette even told a story when they were in the dressing room, and they saw a rat, you know, about the size of this laptop, and um. They ran out. They ran out of the dressing room, and you know they all had, they all had run out. But uh, Bobby and Dennis, the original Midnight Express, had run out of the dressing room because they were. And they when they ran out of the dressing room, they ran into uh, who was it? Uh, I think they ran into Rick Rude uh, out there, and he goes, "Wow, you guys okay?" He goes, "Yeah," and he goes, "We saw a rat." He said, "Rick goes, yeah, man, it was like that big." And Jimmy goes, it wasn't that big. It was like, well, that. And Rick was like, no, I'm talking about the rat out here. <laughs> Jim was talking about a whole nother rat. He's on the dressing room. But Rick Rick was talking about, no, I'm talking about the rat I just saw in the hallway. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the, the Sportatorium was uh, legendary for its... The rat's uh, falling into the fry cooker. Fry cooker, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But it was, uh, but so many, you know, great people... St- Rude, the uh, the Midnight Express, um, Bingo Warrior, yeah, and they showed him too. Um, uh, and obviously the Freebirds. Um, but the yeah, the stories about world class, and I'm look, can't wait for this movie. And uh, the documentaries are worth a watch. Listeners and viewers of HIC Talk Radio, this is your homework assignment. Uh, watch Tales from the Territories if you haven't already, and watch any and all documentaries on world class. With that being said, gentlemen, it was a pleasure this evening. Uh, Thank you for giving me an extra day. I could stand up straight today. Yes. And thank you for joining us, Derek. I know how how, uh, how valuable your time is. Thank you for showing us baby Judah in the beginning of this broadcast. Oh, you saw him, right? Yeah, he's all right. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) thanks for having me. Did you just call his son a dog? No, I he, I don't have my glasses on, so I didn't. Wow. I mean, given who his father is, some people might say he is one. Well, yeah, well, but, <laughs> but um, thank thank you for having me. I'm gonna go look up Gino Hernandez stuff now because yes. uh, I have nothing. I, you know, it's free night. I'm gonna go right to Tale of Territory and 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 yes, get that caught up. Yes, I'm in the yes, mood. Get caught up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With that being said, with that being okay, Derek, go ahead. <laughs> No, listen, right. I'm, I'm gonna when we get up, I'm gonna go watch that too because I'm a little behind too. Yeah. So I'm gonna and go Kim, watch and Kim, that. Kim Patera, Kim Patera, if you're watching, you threw the rock through the window. Bro. Yes, it, it, was, wasn't some, it, it wasn't some angry kids. It was you. They <laughs> came out, yeah, just came out. This 18 year old kid came out of nowhere, picked up a rock, and threw it. Yeah. Uh, and it was a boulder, it wasn't a rock, it was a yeah. giant. Yeah. So wait, you're <laughs> telling me Ken Patera picked up little Dwayne Johnson and threw him through McDonald's window? Yeah, yes. Wow. What happened. That son of a bitch. Yeah. Also, check out the Portland Wrestling uh, Tales from the Territory. You want to see early Roddy Piper and uh, Playboy Buddy Rose. Uh, no, stuff. I don't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it, it's, it's gold, Jerry. Gold. Gold, Jerry. 
I'm incarcerated, Lloyd. <laughs> Derek McDonald is not on Twitter because he's the smartest guy here. Uh, yes. Craig Legans, where can people follow you? Uh, they can follow me on uh, on Twitter for the time being, uh, Facebook and on Instagram at Craig Legans, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. You can follow me on Twitter for the time being. Hive! Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Dan Law 83, the HIC Talk Radio Network, which I will never create another uh, 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 social media platform for because I have not enough time on my hands, uh, is on Twitter at HIC Talk Radio. Go to HICTalkRadio.com to listen to all the podcasts and your podcast app. Go to that too. Download, like, share, subscribe, tell everybody how great it is, and keep it on the paper. Keep it on your baby. Let me just...